This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's time for Emergence News on Plains FM 96.9, citizen-made radio. Hello and welcome to Emergence News. Uh, My name's John and it's my turn to do the intro, so I'm going to cut it really short because I want to get into the topic I want to talk about. (laughs) Anyway, we've called it Potluck basically because we weren't sure what we were going to talk about, so we're just taking a stab at it. And I made the mistake, and all of you that are parents will know what I'm talking about when I say, I asked the boys what they were doing, and (laughs) that's always a big mistake. But anyway... I've asked the boys what they're doing today. And, of course, the issue we do have when we are trying to come up with topics for this program is there is so much information supporting the emergence of Maitreya, the world teacher. You can look at Blavatsky, you can look at Alice A. Bailey, you can look at Benjamin Krem. There is a huge amount of information um, that supports the story that we're talking about. And it is the emergence of a teacher and his enlightened disciples. And it's the reason for this podcast. But we tend to cover all sorts of other things as well, particularly in the social, economic and political environment that reflect this emergence. Uh, And I say that is the reason for this podcast. And uh, I guess our vanity may even allow us the acknowledgement that his emergence is the reason for our own incarnation on this planet at the time. So if the podcast is about Maitreya, maybe us being here is about that as well. Peter, how do you feel about that statement? I can see that you're um, looking really shocked and that doesn't uh, Yes, doesn't well they say me. at the soul level there's been a clamouring of uh, souls wanting to be here at this time of the changeover from the Piscean to the Aquarian Age because it is such a uh, progressive um chaotic time, but the lessons and the benefits are incredible. <laughs> Nigel? What he said. <laughs> that's why we keep him around. Yeah, what yeah, an yeah. answer. Well done. Yeah, I'd just fair. like to tell the audience there was no rehearsal whatsoever. I've just walked in the studio. Well done, Peter. Nigel? No, what you... he said, I, I thought Peter articulated exactly what I, <laughs> what I was incapable of, of, okay. of explaining. Anyway, the emergence of the teacher is my trayer. And I guess we can say we're in his corner. Okay, now, my turn. My topic for this podcast is corruption. And you know, Nigel, that I'm going to rant and you're going to have to probably drag me out of the studio at some point. What's your topic, Nigel? Uh, well, I, if time permits, I will be... You might not get time, mate. I'm really fired up. <laughs> yeah, I can feel it. Um, if I've got time, I'll touch on the big C as well, corruption. I've got a comment from my trayer. But I, um, I've noticed over the last couple of months that on our program, there have been certain themes that we've, uh, we've covered. And so I have decided to look at karma, the breakdown of our civilization in particular. And I've got some comments from Benjamin Krem that we haven't used in the last couple of months, which I think will 
be really good to put the spotlight on. Okay, you're not going to have time for any of that. Okay, so, um, <laughs> Peter, what do you think you're going to talk about today? <laughs> well, um, I was looking at uh, the Share International, and Nigel and I were talking about it. In actual fact, um, we are saying how much was in it and how good it was. And I'm looking at The Worth of Water by Gary R- White and Matt Damon. And I didn't realise Matt Damon was into... Um, no. Into, Is that the Matt Damon there? Yes, the, the film star. Oh. And uh, he's into, uh, you know, supply, getting water and water wells to people in, that are, uh, haven't got water. Fabulous. Okay, it sounds like you've got two really interesting topics. How unfortunate we're not going to get to them. <laughs> Sorry, what were you going to say, Nigel? Oh, well, just on that um, Matt Damon story, it's really interesting because I've read it as well. And uh, what's amazing is what Peter will cover is the fact that they have found a way of making bank investment in projects to do with water acceptable. Wow. Mm. Okay. It, it's acceptable for the banks to be involved and not um, fleece people for it. Interesting. Maybe you guys can cover that in your own program. Okay, we will uh, come back after this little break. You are listening to Emergence News on Plains FM, and Nigel and Peter are still here in the studio with me, so maybe we will hear from them later. But I want to kick off with uh, corruption as my topic as well, Nigel. I find it interesting that we've both settled on that because, um, honestly, listeners, there's been no collusion in the background around these topics. Anyway, a friend of mine on Facebook, and I don't have many friends, posted this from Alice A. Bailey's book, The Externalization of the Hierarchy, and it's page 498. And this is a quote that really got me started. And it's um, the Master D.K. The prostituting of life to the task of providing the bare necessities or to making it possible for a few rich and privileged people to have too much when others have too little, will come to an end. Men everywhere can now be released into a state of life which will give them leisure and time to follow spiritual objectives, to realise a richer cultural life, and to attain a broader mental perspective. But, my brothers, men will fight to prevent this. The reactionary groups in every country will neither recognise the need for nor desire this new world order which the liberation of cosmic energy can make possible. The vested interests, the big cartels, trusts and monopolies that have controlled the past few decades preceding this world war, and I'm guessing this was written post-World War II, Okay. So it's, quite, it's, what, 50, 60 years ago? It's so prophetic. Anyway, preceding this world war, will mobilise their resources and fight to the death to prevent the extinction of their sources of income. They will not permit, if they can help it, the passing of control of this illimitable power into the hands of the masses to whom it rightly belongs. The selfish interests among the big stockholders, the banking firms and the wealthy organised churches will oppose all change 
except insofar as it will benefit them and bring more financial gain to their coffers. And as we say, very prophetic mm-hmm. written, Alice A. Bailey uh, through the Master DK. Very relevant right, right now. Very relevant. So another thing popped into my inbox, and it's called Silencing the Lambs, How Propaganda Works. And it's written by John Pilger. And um, he's a exceptionally well-known and incisive journalist. And for me, from my sociology days, he's up there with Noam Chomsky on his ability to perceive the world as it is, not as others would want us to perceive it. He tells a very interesting story, and I'm uh, quoting the article. In the 1970s, I met one of Hitler's leading propagandists, uh, uh, Lenny Reifenstahl, whose epic films glorified the Nazis. We happened to be staying at the same lodge in Kenya where she was on a photography assignment, having escaped the fate of other friends of the Fuhrer. She told me that the patriotic messages of her films were not dependent on orders from above, but on what she called the submissive void of the German public. I came to her with, did that include the liberal educated bourgeoisie? And she came back with, yes, especially them. I think of this as I look around at the propaganda now consuming Western societies. Of course, we are very different from Germany in the 1930s. We live in informed societies. We are globalists. We have never been more aware, more in touch, more connected. Or are we? Or do we live in a media society where brainwashing is insidious and relentless and perception is filtered according to the needs and lies of state and corporate power? The United States dominates the Western world's media. All but one of the top 10 media companies are based in North America. The internet and social media, Google, Twitter, Facebook, are mostly American-owned and controlled. And John Pilger goes on to say, In my lifetime, the United States has overthrown or attempted to overthrow more than 50 governments, mostly democracies. It has interfered in democratic elections in 30 countries. It has dropped bombs on the people of 30 countries, most of them poor and defenceless. It has attempted to murder the leaders of 50 countries. It has sought to suppress liberation movements in 20 countries. And um, John Pilger has written extensively across many, many books around these topics, uh, and he's researched them thoroughly. Noam Chomsky's also written along similar lines. John Pilger goes on to say, The extent and scale of this carnage is largely unreported, unrecognised, and those responsible continue to dominate Anglo-American political life. Pilger goes on to quote a playwright, Harold Pinter. He was a um, Nobel Prize winner. Harold Pinter says, US foreign policy is best defined as follows. Kiss my ass or I'll kick your head in. It is as simple and as crude as that. This is a Nobel Peace Laureate. What is interesting about it is that it's so incredibly successful. It possesses the structures of disinformation, use of rhetoric, distortion of language, which are very persuasive, but are actually a pack of lies. It is very successful propaganda. They have the money, the technology, they have all the means to get away with it, and they do. So John Pilger's started up this critique. Now, sorry, Pinter was a Nobel Prize winner for literature. He goes on to say the crimes of the United States have been systematic, constant, vicious, remorseless, 
but very, very few people have actually talked about them. You have to hand it to America. It has exercised a quite clinical manipulation of power worldwide while masquerading as a force for universal good. It's a brilliant, even witty, highly successful campaign of hypnosis. So what um, Pilge has done is he's taken that idea of successful hypnosis and asked Pinter if it's the same as what Lenny Raffenstahl is talking about, the submissive void. And Pinter has agreed and says, yes, they are the same. Pilger goes on to say, our systems of corporate democracy, war is an economic necessity. The perfect marriage of public subsidy and private profit. Socialism for the rich, capitalism for the poor. And he quotes that after the day after 1911, the stock prices of the war industry soared. War is good for business. Now, John Pilger is a really well-respected observer of life on this planet. But let's move away from John Pilger. So another thing popped into my inbox. And it's uh, apparently Greta Thunberg has put together a book called The Climate Book. And nine writers have featured in that climate book. I've picked out five of the nine because they address planetary corruption with their ideas on dealing with planetary change. So the first one is Naomi Klein. She says, take the money out of politics. There is one thing that would stop the planet's warming. Sorry, there is no one thing that would stop the planet's warming. But what would make all other kinds of things possible is reigning in the power of the transnational capital over our governments. It is the power to financially reward and punish lawmakers in various ways that is the single biggest barrier to progress. We need to ban corporate campaign donations, direct and indirect, and we need to stop the revolving door between corporate lobbyists and lawmakers from spinning so a cushy job in the sector you're currently regulating isn't an enticement to adopt pro-pollution policies. So she's come down on corruption in politics. Thomas Pekeli's written an interesting little um, uh, numbers where he's crunched the numbers in six and said, is, if you tax the wealthy properly, we'll have the money to fund the necessary research to stop climate change. Uh, Sunita Narain has said, empower poor nations. Uh, give them the ability to say no to big corporate um, mm. industries and extraction that's going on in their country. Currently, they don't have the power to do that. Um, Mike Berners-Lee's come up with Clean Up Public Life. And he tells us, while science and technology for saving the planet is challenging, it's not the bottleneck. To deal with these complex systematic changes requires high-quality, clear decision-making at the moment, that process is largely disabled by hidden agendas, dishonesty and greed. So my planet-saving idea is to cultivate and insist on much higher standards of honesty and compassion among our political and business decision-making. Good comment. Really good comment. Um, Jacqueline Patterson, who's the founder of uh, Chisholm Legacy Project, give power back to the people. She tells us the US is the biggest polluter in the world. It's a major influence on climate negotiations and the corporate influence in the American political system stops or, or deflects any sort of global approach to climate change. Now, I go back to Maitreya. Maitreya has predicted that it's the power of the people which will make the changes on this planet. We cannot leave it to the current leadership, the current oligarchy. 
And oligarchy for me is the word that sums up life on planet Earth at the moment. That oligarchy run the planet for their own needs. I'm going to finish with the voice of the people is rising. The voice of the people is out there. And what we all need to be able to do is listen to it, join in with it, and start demanding sharing and justice and peace. And Maitreya is already working towards those goals and is supporting that growth of the voice of the people. This is the Emergence News on Plains FM. For more information, go to shareinternational.org. Okay, Nigel. Okay. Sorry, you got really carried away there. Well, um, you were fired up. But you are going to come back in with something that supports what I've just said, I believe. Indeed. Yeah, well, the first thing I'm going to look at is the word corruption. Um, the definition of corruption is a form of dishonesty or a criminal offence which is undertaken by a person or an organisation which is entrusted in a position of authority. Subject, power politics. Maitreya's view on power politics he says power politics will give way to the politics of food, shelter and protection. This will spread the world over. Socialism and capitalism will converge. They are the two wheels which are essential. Politics cannot function on one wheel. Ah. Mm. And the other um, subject I want to quickly cover because I want to make sure that uh, that Peter's got enough time to cover yep. this Matt Damon story. Um, the other subject I want to cover is the breakdown of old systems such as political and economic structures. And there is another definition I just want to touch on here, the definition of spiritual push. And I just want to cover this so that you understand the question that's put to Krem and his answer better. Yep. A spiritual push is something that the hierarchy plans when they are planning a major manifestation. And a good example of that are the spring festivals, Easter in April, the Wesak Festival in May, and the Christ Festival in June. The question that was put to Benjamin Krem, spiritual energies, cosmic energies, will these energies during a spiritual push carry out work of destroying the old forms or rebuilding new ones? I'll just repeat that question. Will the hierarchy or cosmic energies or both during a spiritual push carry out work of destroying the old forms or rebuilding new ones? Krem's answer. Author Benjamin Krem says they are mainly to do with the creation of a new atmosphere and conditions of trust. Because until then, nothing will change. Mm -hmm. He goes on to say, a sense of global synthesis and the stimulus of spiritual idealism in the masses of people, people power. Mm -hmm. All of these endeavours then lead to the creation of new forms. Thanks, Nigel. And you know what? If I was part of the Black Lodge or the Lords of Materialism, I would pick up on what you've just said and I would start to undermine trust. Oh, no, we've already been doing that with the use of media for the last 20 years. And what we have done is divide and conquer and destroy trust. We've seen a lack of trust globally in the last two years regarding the pandemic. 
we are lacking trust. Peter, go ahead. Thank you, John. The Worth of Water by Gary White and Matt Damon. I was surprised to see that Matt Damon is involved in this building wells for small villages all around the world. Mm. Absolutely fantastic. Mm. What a great idea. And very close to my heart, I spent a couple of years in New Guinea myself, and uh, I'm familiar with uh, some of the issues that um, these people have, these sort of um, very much um, basic survival skills that they have, and they live basically um, hand-to-mouth. When Hollywood actor Matt Damon and water engineer Gary White were introduced at an annual Clinton Global Initiative meeting, they realised they both shared a passion and a mission, how to enable many more poor people to access clean water. About a quarter of the world's population do not have this access. This tremendous lack of primary necessity makes the provision of clean water across the world a top priority. And it needs the ongoing focused attention of governments, agencies that can offer relevant expertise, charities, voluntary and community groups and citizens everywhere. So Matt Damon is the founder of Water.org and Gary White, founder of Water Partners greatly enhanced and extended their work by joining forces to raise the awareness of many people, to increase fundraising, to learn about effective processes and to deepen their understanding of how best to engage local communities. Their book, The Worth of Water, recounts their struggles and their successes. I I think that's a great book that sounds like uh, something I'd like to buy. In the first 10 years of that Damon's work in his organisation, he reached 750,000 people. Isn't that fantastic? Staggering numbers. But by 2019, together with Gary White and all the other groups that partnered with, including local technical and community groups, as well as government agencies, banks and philanthropic societies, they had reached 40 million people. That is unbelievable. Many in very poor areas in Latin America and Africa, as well as Asia, and the rate of expansion is increasing. When Matt Damon joined a tour of African uh, countries, urged on by his friend, the U2 singer Bono, who insisted that seeing is believing, he realised that many poor villages do not have a well. This means that girls and women, whose chores include obtaining Mm -hmm. water every day for the family, may have to walk to a well for two or three or even four hours and back. In other words, girls in this situation cannot attend school. No education. Mm. Mm. Also, uh, they're really unsafe. hmm? They're really unsafe as well. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. So, you know, to be able to get a well into the village, it just Mm. sort of changes the dynamics of the whole village. What staggers me is 40 million people that actually... A small group of dedicated individuals have affected the lives of 40 million it's people. It's incredible. Staggering. It? Absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah. 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 So one of the most important lessons Matt Damon and Gary White learned was that although the water crisis is a global problem, s- solutions must be local, of course. This means avoiding sophisticated equipment that can only be fixed by sophisticated techniques 
with simpler technologies, local people can use local materials, and particularly in both building and repairing. Because the resources have to be affordable. That's right. There's no point in having electric pumps or anything like that. And relevant to that area. Yeah. Mm. That locality. Yeah. Mm. And so what's so interesting here is that they've approached banks, and these people... And now it took about a year actually to find a bank that actually <laughs> could go along with these yeah, sort of right. mini loans. But basically, they are mini loans, and people pay them back at the rate of ten or fifteen dollars a month. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. villagers can afford this. They, yeah. You know, but of course, the people that are um, no longer having to spend all their time um, going for water can now do something more productive like yeah. growing more food for their families or going, going to, to school. school for their children, mm. this sort of thing. So, I mean, this is what is making such a huge difference. And I think we all know that if you can educate the women, um, you know, the, the population will drop as well. We, we strengthen we strengthen communities, don't we? We do, educating, yes, that's right. Women. Yeah. So, you know, it's a fantastic um, thing that these people are doing, I think. Okay, look, guys, um, I've had a great time. I'm sorry I took up so much time, but I was really enjoying myself. Thank you for putting up with me. Nigel, um, I think we were um, actually on the same um, topic there by, mm. by just by osmosis. We talked about corruption, and you talked about the spiritual drive that's pushing change on the planet. Peter, you finished off with a really nice take on good news, and I just kind of moaned and, and waned on about how bad things are. So um, <laughs> thanks for saving the show, guys. <laughs> and hopefully we'll have our listeners back. Well, I'm sure we'll have our listeners back next time. Good mahi, John. Well done. All this information can be found on the Share International website, www.share-international.org. And also don't forget the podcasts, which are available on the Plains FM website. We welcome your comments, questions and feedback. Please contact us at emergencenews at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.